Hello listeners, this is part two of the update episode. If you haven't yet, we encourage you to go back and listen to part one, which was released last week. We hope you enjoy this episode, and please leave a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts. And you can also email us, and our email addresses will be in the show notes. But anyway, to get off cackling Kamala... <clears throat> Um, there was one other prediction that you had made in that segment, the Sloppy New Year, about um, big tech. You had talked about how it seemed to your mind that the overreaches of big tech would be more prominent than overreaches of big government in the coming years. And uh, you were kind of concerned about a social audit system, um, a targeting of private businesses, and, and you had a particular example of Black Rifle Coffee. Uh, would you want to update us on that? I mean, how is Black Rifle Coffee? You still like them these days? Uh, yeah, I still get a shipment every couple months. Um, but I think, if I recall, uh, it wasn't necessarily a prediction about companies being targeted, but more of like a bifurcation, more like uh, Republicans are going to go to more conservative companies and stop patronizing, you know, companies that push leftist agendas and stuff like that. Well, how do you feel in six months under Biden? uh, How do you feel about that? Do you think it's moved a little? Um, No, I I don't think it's actually ended up being that much of a thing so far um, and definitely still can um, you know, especially as like uh, some companies push these like woke agendas within their uh, you know within their companies like they have people go through these critical race theory trainings and all that stuff I think if if that keeps up uh, we'll definitely probably see more um you know, people go to businesses or companies that are more aligned with their ideals. But so far, I don't think it's been as prevalent as I had expected it might be. Well, I I understand the concern. And, um, you know, I heard one of the things that the current administration is pushing for is they want a lot more money as far as funding pumped into the Internal Revenue Service. They want almost a doubling of staff. And, you know, somebody like us, conservatives like us, almost you have to wonder if you if you remember back to the Obama era, the lowest learner uh, testimony up on Con- uh, Capitol Hill, um... If you remember the targeting of conservative-leaning 501c3s or nonprofit organizations, um, you look at somebody like Biden doubling the staff, doubling the budget of the IRS, and you almost have to wonder, are they, will they be weaponizing it again? So that just came to my mind as I was listening and I reheard your former prediction, you know, I... Maybe it hasn't happened yet in six months, but 
it seems like the the wheels are being oiled and the machine is about to be turned on. Sure. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me because one of the whole big things about what the the AG uh, Attorney General uh, Merrick Garland, Garland was talking about, mm-hmm. yeah, was that they we need to root out you know white supremacy and all these racism and blah 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 stuff. So I wouldn't be surprised if uh, you know if the Department of Justice goes is going to focus on that if they don't somehow loop in the IRS to get rid of you know organizations or companies that they think are pushing quote unquote white supremacy and institutional well, sure. racism. Sure they will. I mean that that marriage that you speak of between the Department of Justice and the Internal Revenue Service, that marriage has been made a, a lot of times, you know, if, uh, let, let me say, it's been consummated many times. And I think the the biggest case that got that marriage going was when they took down Al Capone. You know, all those crimes that he was committing up in Chicago, everybody mm-hmm. knew it, but they couldn't get him on everything. His hands were never covered in blood, if you will. You know what they got him for? Income tax evasion. Yeah. Of all things, you think about how many people died at either the hands of Al Capone himself or his hole-in-the-wall gang or whatever they called themselves. I don't think it was hole-in-the-wall. I can't remember what what his gang was called, but... um, his minions. Yeah, his minions. But still, all the drugs, all the illegal alcohol, the illegal gambling, um, I'm sure sex crimes, I'm sure, I mean, sure, I'm sure you could just name it. But they got him for income right. tax evasion. The IRS. Yep. Yes, yeah, so I wouldn't be surprised um, if... You know, in the future, like you said, the IRS is weaponized again under the Obama 3.0 administration. Right. I would not be surprised either. We've seen it before. Nothing came of it last time. They had a few hearings. Lois Lerner sat up there. and I don't know if you'd remember this that well, but I'll never forget it. Daryl Issa was uh, still in the Senate at the time, or I'm sorry, in the House, in the House, <clears throat> and uh, he's quizzing her. He he led the show. I don't remember what commission it, w- it would have been, committee, but he led the show. She comes in and she says, "I am completely innocent of these charges, but." My lawyers have advised me to plead the fifth for the remainder of the hearing. Good morning, Mr. Chairman and members of the committee. My name is Lois Lerner, and I'm the director of exempt organizations at the Internal Revenue Service. I have been a government employee for over 34 years. I initially practiced law at the Department of Justice and later at the Federal Election Commission. In 2001, I became a... I moved to the IRS to work in the exempt organizations office. And in 2006, I was promoted to be the director of that office. Exempt organizations oversees about 
1.6 million tax-exempt organizations and processes over 60,000 applications for tax exemption every year. As director, I'm responsible for about 900 employees nationwide and administer a budget of almost $100 million. My professional career has been devoted to fulfilling responsibilities of the agencies for which I have worked, and I am very proud of the work that I have done in government. On May 14th, the Treasury Inspector General released a report finding that the exempt organization's field office in Cincinnati, Ohio, used inappropriate criteria to identify for further review applications from organizations that plan to engage in political activity, which may mean that they did not qualify for tax exemption. On that same day, the Department of Justice launched an investigation into the matters described in the Inspector General's report. In addition, members of this committee have accused me of providing false information when I responded to questions about the IRS processing of applications for tax exemption. I have not done anything wrong. I have not broken any laws. I have not violated any IRS rules or regulations. And I have not provided false information to this or any other congressional committee. And while I would very much like to answer the committee's questions today, I've been advised by my counsel to assert my constitutional right not to testify or answer questions related to the subject matter of this hearing. After very careful consideration, I've decided to follow my counsel's advice and not testify or answer any of the questions today. Because I'm asserting my right not to testify, I know that some people will assume that I've done something wrong. I have not. One of the basic functions of the Fifth Amendment is to protect innocent individuals, and that is the protection I'm invoking today. Thank you. And so that's what she did. Every question they asked her, I plead the fifth. I plead the fifth. And there was a big question. I don't know if they ever worked it out. But it caused a big fuss. How can you declare you're innocent? Basically give testimony. How can you give testimony and then insist that you have a right to not give testimony? So she yeah. sits up there and says, I'm innocent, but I'm not going to say anything else. <laughs> I don't think the way that works, you know, if you plead the fifth, you plead the fifth. You don't say anything. Right. So, I mean, I think we'd just see more of the same. People just get called up there and say, are you really targeting conservatives? Oh, no, we're completely innocent and we're going to keep pleading the fifth. <laughs> That's probably what we'd get. But anyway, to talk about a commission like that, a committee, um, <clears throat> I guess you've probably heard about Nancy Pelosi creating a select committee in the House on the January 6th commission. Yeah, I've heard about it. I haven't really heard too many details other than she, she said she was going to start one or did start it. Well, I do find that even though it's an open question still at this point, she has admitted that there's going to be a select committee, but she hasn't announced who will lead it, who will be on the committee. I think we can certainly assume, assume it's just going to be a left-leaning device. Um, but yeah. 
<clears throat> the January 6th issue is something that we've covered on the channel before, and um, I never looked it up before going on air, so maybe we don't have a question, uh, an answer to this question, but, you know, the Capitol for the longest time had had barbed wire fence, and uh, people were being kept out of the Capitol building, they couldn't do chores, they couldn't come up and meet with their Congress people, Um is it your understanding that that's the same situation, or has the barbed wire fence come down? I have no idea. I've not heard. I'm not sure about that either. So maybe that's not that good of an update. Um, but well, I'll say this about her her little commission committee or whatever she wants to do is uh. You know, there are already different parts of the government looking into January 6th. I think there's already been some kind of Inspector General's report that just came out recently um, about it. And I've heard other, uh, I should say, I've heard Republican Congress people make the point that, you know, there's already a, a body looking into this. We don't need to waste time or money on another one. But yet, uh, the Democrats assist on one. But, they're completely satisfied with the WHO being in charge of looking into the coronavirus lab leak in China. They don't, they're not interested in any other kind of investigation that uh, Republicans wants to do, wants, want to do you know, from our country. Yes, it is interesting. That's why I said um, just a second ago, I'm sure it'll just be a left-leaning device. I mean, whether it's, yep. you know, just manufacture of propaganda or talking points or mm -hmm. um, the opposing view, you know, if because I believe right. there were actually two Senate committees that have already looked at this, too, uh, and they wrote reports. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's almost, it's another example. I know I've talked about it before, but we're living in a postmodern era where you can pick your news. If you want to hear left-leaning news, you go listen to left-leaning news. If you want to hear news about puppies, that's all you can find out about is just news about puppies. There's a million Facebook pages, there's whatever. It's a sort of pick-your-own-reality that we're living in. And that's what I see this as, is an overt attempt to put out material that would supply, you know, um, their side with munitions, basically. So, I guess we'll just see what comes of it. Well, I was just going to say, I might be wrong, uh, but I feel like I've already heard Nancy Pelosi say as much as, you know, they want to find out if uh, or how the white supremacists were the cause of it. And so automatically they're going into it with the mindset of they're looking for a specific uh, perpetrator rather than following the clues that lead them to whatever it might be. Well, it fits their pattern. I mean, we've seen this before. Yeah. This is the Kavanaugh treatment. This is the, you're guilty until proven innocent, you know? Right. <clears throat> yep. 
They're looking for a boogeyman when there wasn't one. I mean, you and I, January 6th, four days before my birthday, I did not get the president that I wanted. I almost said president. I think I might have had a little Freudian slip there, but I didn't get the present I wanted. <clears throat> that was quite a shock. It's not what I would have liked to have seen that day. Mm-hmm. But still, I remembered vividly. There were some, a great number of protesters arrested that day, and many of them were BLM, were Antifa. They weren't right-wingers. <clears throat> so, I know that that crowd was infiltrated. There were other groups. There weren't just Trump fans there that day. What of their groups? What of all these different groups? They only focus on the white nationalists and the neo-Nazis. That's all you hear them talk about. Yep. Well, that's all they can seem to focus on. That's the boogeyman in their closet. Ooh, white supremacy. It's around (laughs) every corner. Merrick Garland says that it's the biggest threat to our national... Whatever, you know, cohesion or whatever. is White supremacy. White supremacy? I don't think that was the biggest national concern back in 1960. How the hell could that be the biggest concern in America today in 2021? It's not. Alrighty, well, we'll get off that January 6th thing and... I really only see a couple other things here we could talk about. Um, We had mentioned um, whether or not they would use some of these COVID funds for other purposes. And I just happened to find it interesting. You know, I sent you a couple of headlines, but they made this effort to defund the police and it's really bit them in the butt. And now guess what? They've been using some leftover COVID funds to refund the police. How do you like that one? Yeah. Yeah, um, it doesn't surprise me. Um, and, you know, uh, while we're getting ready for the show, uh, I saw a video that was just from today. There is a... Biden administration spokesperson, I can only remember his last name, uh, or Richards, uh, who was on the Fox News Sunday show with uh, Chris Wallace. And um, he was talking about, uh, um, they were talking about the recent spike in crime and last Wednesday. And mm-hmm. this is, I believe this is where the announcement about uh, COVID funding going to police comes from is that uh, recently Biden had some kind of big talk or announcement about what he's going to do to address the crime issue and stuff uh, in the country. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, this guy uh, that was talking to Chris Wallace, um, I'll do my best to kind of give some quotes of what he said he said let's talk about defunding the police when we were in congress last year trying to pass emergency relief uh an emergency relief plan 
to cash-strapped cities who were laying off police and firefighters. It was the Republicans who opposed it, or objected to it. In fact, they didn't get funding until the uh, Biden Rescue Plan was passed, or the American Rescue Plan, and uh, which allowed state and local governments to replenish their uh, police departments and do the other things that are needed. And he also said Republicans are very good at uh, sticking to the talking points about who defunded the police. And this, and here's the kicker. The truth is, we funded, we funded crime intervention and a whole bunch of other things. Joining us now, senior advisor to the president, Cedric Richmond. Mr. Richmond, welcome to Fox News Sunday. Thanks for having me, Chris. Why does President Biden think the number of homicides and shootings is up so dramatically in the last 18 months? Well, part of it is the plethora of guns that are flooding the streets of this country, and that's something that the president wants to deal with. He knows the viol- he knows the toll that violence takes on families, and especially gun violence, and what it's doing over the last 18 months uh, in this country. But let's discuss some of the factors that President Biden didn't mention in his speech this week. Take a look at uh, Republican Senator Lindsey Graham. Here he is. The Biden five-point plan will not address the rise in murder and uh, vicious assaults in this country. We have a lack of prosecution, and we've declared war on the police, and that is backfiring on those who have done it. Does Senator Graham have a point there? Absolutely not. In fact, Senator Graham doesn't have a clue. And let's talk about who defunded the police. Uh, When we were in Congress last year trying to pass a rescue plan, I'm sorry, not the rescue plan, but an emergency relief plan for cities that were cash-strapped and laying off police and firefighters, it was the Republicans who objected to it. And in fact, they didn't get funding until the American Rescue Plan, which our plan allowed state and local governments to replenish their police departments and do the other things that are needed. So look, Republicans are very good at staying on talking points of who says defund the police, but the truth is they defunded the police. We funded crime intervention and a whole bunch of other things. So I think that this is a very smart, comprehensive approach to dealing with violence in our communities. And then he later goes on to kind of restate that and say we uh, funded crime intervention, uh, youth recreation, and uh, other programs like this. And to me, that's the kicker because he says right before it, it was the Republicans who defunded the police. And then he turns around and says, we funded and listed off a whole bunch of other things that aren't the police. And even when Chris Wallace points out that 50 of the largest cities defunded their police departments by 5%, and New York City alone was 15%, this guy, the spokesperson, tries to blame it on the fact that a whole bunch of cities were you know, cutting their uh, budgets due to COVID and the fact they didn't have you know tax revenue and stuff like that 
And that made me immediately think about that I'm pretty sure, uh, and I might be wrong, I didn't get the chance to look, but I'm pretty sure there are clips of Mayor de Blasio talking about defunding the police department when he announced it by like some, some million dollars, I think. And this guy from the administration just trying to blame it on, uh, you know, COVID budget cuts. Well, it's so funny to me. I mean, there's a there's a good couple of things right there in, in what you've just said. Um, I mean, first of all, I just hope that the American people have a better memory than the Democrats do. Because the Democrats mm-hmm. seem to have a terrible memory. They don't seem to remember that it was talking points from their left side who said this defund the police. They came up with the concept. They mm-hmm. talked about it. They paraded it around. It came out of every single one of their, um, you know, all, all those 16 or 20 of them that tried to run for president came out of all of their mouths that we should reallocate funds or we should limit police budgets, you know. They all talked about that on the debate stage. <clears throat> They're the ones who flip-flop. They flip-flop so many damn times you can't keep them straight. And it's funny to hear this fellow that you're quoting say that the Republicans are good at sticking to their talking points. Well, you know what the actual truth is, is Republicans don't flip-flop around. Republicans just stand for the issues they stand for. Yeah. One of them would have been not defunding the police. Right. So it's preposterous to imagine, you know, that they... They want to turn around and pin it on us, but, you know. Right. And then he goes on to try to say the spike in crime is due to all the guns that are flooding the streets. As if, you know, the only cause of homicides lately is gun violence, which I'm sure probably is the majority, but certainly not all of them. And... That homicide is the only type of crime that there's been a spike of. I mean, there's been a large increase of other crimes like uh, like car thefts and uh, robberies and break-ins and stuff like that too, not just homicides. And how how is it a flooding of guns on the street that's causing more carjackings? It's not. It's the fact that they're... Because, like, a, a carjacking is usually considered, like, a crime of opportunity, I believe. And, um, you know, somebody's more willing to do it if they believe they're not going to get caught or their repercussions aren't going to be as severe. Not because there are guns on the street. Well, and it's interesting how, you know, when talking about one issue that they can't fix, they can't address properly... They immediately tie in something from their wish list. They say, oh, well, crime's really bad, and yeah, I guess yeah, I guess we're getting dinged for that, but, you know, it's not us. It's the Republicans, and, and crime, you know, it's because of the guns. Uh, so, yeah, we need to take the guns away. So it's going to lead them right into that. We're going to have to change the gun laws. We're going to have to get harsher on guns. 
But meanwhile, you have people just strolling into this country through the southern border. And mm-hmm. it's like, where are the guns coming from? Is is Smith & Wesson just handing them out? Because those are pretty nice machines. I'd like to get one. Who do I have to write to? You know, I mean... We'll sponsor Smith & Wesson on this channel, won't we, Reed? Come on. Yeah, <laughs> I don't sure. think anybody's Definitely. just handing them out. You know? Not at all. And to bring it back to... You know, you were talking about how they're all of a sudden refunding the police with leftover COVID money. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of those articles uh, you provided me before the show to look at, I think it was the one from the local uh, news um, channel. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were talking about wanting to use some of that money for uh, remodeling, I think, like an old courthouse or something to hold uh, people in for misdemeanor offenses, like a misdemeanor jail, because uh, their local law doesn't allow them to be put in, I guess, the regular jail, if you will. So normally they just have to re- you know, release them. And one of the things that came to my mind is I don't doubt that they might try to spend money on something like that. But it also mentioned that this money is for other type of pro- other other type of infrastructure. You know, so money is fungible. And even though it's, you know, I don't know the recent guidance or law or whatever Biden announced uh, specifically says to use it for uh infrastructure or police you can imagine you know the money being shifted around and going to a bunch of other boondoggle projects in all these different cities oh yeah so who knows if they'll actually get get around to refunding the police as it might be directed or well how about this i have a novel idea about these funds i mean why are there so many in the first place Yep, I was thinking about that too, Um, because it's almost like an admission that they COVID wasn't that bad. Well, that and that they, you know, uh, passed too much money in their budget that they in their too much money. Of course, I mean rescue. I don't think it's just from our point of view. It was way too much money. The six hundred dollar unemployment. Then they mm-hmm. cut it down to 300 It caused this huge problem that we have now with staffing. You know, you people can't yep. get a job. You know, Well, it's not that they can't get a job, but I mean, employers can't get somebody to come take the jobs. <clears throat> um, I mean, I knew, I think the first real admission that they had made a mistake was when several states, including our current state of Ohio, decided to cut off the $300 extended benefit for unemployment. That was a big, you know, we fucked up moment, in my opinion. Yeah. Yep. Then you start I looking, they're so. looking around saying, oh, hey, we're still flush with cash. What What can we even do with all this cash? Maybe, maybe we should go to the movies, you know? You start thinking, 
what the heck did they really do to us under the guise of this COVID thing? Mm -hmm. Yep, it definitely raises all sorts of questions, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. Yes, it does. And just to be fair, um, we're not the first ones to think about that either. I, I think I've heard many conversations on The Five and on Fox News where they've asked this question. So, you know, I might be stealing it from them subconsciously. I don't have anybody to quote. But I know I've heard other people complain in this same vein of thought, you know. Why is there all this extra money then if they're just looking for extra ways to spend it? And, you know, to pick up there with one other concern, maybe it'll be the last one we discuss on this segment, but... <clears throat> You know, they're t they're talking so hard about pushing this infrastructure bill. And like you were just talking there about how some of these COVID funds can be used for infrastructure, can be used for refunding the police. Um, but at the same time, out of the other side of their mouth, they're trying to pass a $1 trillion infrastructure deal to flood us with more cash. And then what's supposed to immediately come down the pike after the $1 trillion uh, infrastructure deal is they're talking about a six trillion dollar democratic pinata bill that's going to come down the pike afterwards so if we're already swimming in unused funds and municipalities can put these funds towards you know pick something then why all the need why all the push for these other trillion six trillion dollar bills well, you'd have to think that they're trying to hide something in it. Because they're never willing to just pass piece by piece what what needs to get funded now. And what, what can we agree on needs to be funded now. What do we need to work out later. They just want to shove money into one big pork barrel bill and shove it all through with random crap in there. That nobody ever gets to know about until after it's passed, we get to read it. Well, see, and I see that interesting, and that's why I'll bring it up. Because I'm sure neither of us have sat here and read that $6 trillion bill that they want to pass. But I wouldn't be surprised if exactly what you said is true. That they're trying to hide a bunch of stuff in it. The way I have it written down in my notes is they often bundle popular parts of legislation with very unpopular legislation and so yep. i wouldn't be surprised if they got everything that we have discussed before you know they got their 15 million dollar minimum wage they got their black people reparations they got their ten thousand dollar student loan write-off they got their you know i bet it's i bet you could almost just go write down a little list of like Republicans' mm -hmm. worst fears, and that'll probably be the bill. Yeah. So that's something we might have to update on again at a future point, because um, of course, like I said, we have not led the read the language of that bill. Um, it hasn't been introduced. It's just still in the planning stages. The I deal think. making. Yeah, but. Definitely a lot to think about there, and, and the Democrats make themselves plain, in my opinion. You know, you can see what they're pushing for, you can see what motivates them, 
they always put their blame in the same places. It's the Republicans, it's the guns, it's it's never them, it's never their policies. No, not at all. So, anyway, that's all I have here in my notes. I think it's been a pretty good segment. Um, just a little update. Yeah, I think it's been a pretty good episode. We hit on quite a few topics. Uh, we brought old topics into new current stuff going on. I think it was quite a good episode. Well, good. I hope the people enjoyed it, too. Hope they'll write to us, let us know, send us lots of coupons. And Smith & Wesson, I'd really love to have a little 38 special snub nose. So if you want to send that to me, uh, we'd be happy to promote you on our channel here. <laughs> we'll even make special uh, you know, videos where he's testing it out and demonstrating it. Yeah, that's right. Well, listeners, we hope you enjoyed the show. And if you want to provide us with any feedback, you can email me at contemptconserve2 at gmail.com. That's C-O-N-T-E-M-P-C-O-N-S-E-R-V, the number two, at gmail.com. And similarly, if you're interested in speaking with me, Frank, my email is contempconserve at gmail.com c-o-n-t-e-m-p c-o-n-s-e-r-v at gmail.com thank you for listening and we'll catch you next time